0: Hello, friend and colleague. It's Nikki from Full Voice Music, and on today's podcast, episode 135, we have a fantastic show. Up first is Dr. Shannon Coates. She's going to be helping us with strategies for working with those students who are low energy. My dear friend, Steve Farrell, is talking about how we hold space for others and how we can take care of ourselves. So important, especially nowadays. I am sharing a sneak peek from one of our upcoming releases, and the warm-up of the week is all about helping our students sing Dominant Sevens. Fun little activity and a freebie Friday. And Alan Henderson from the National Association of Teachers of Singing is talking today about the Live Learning Center fantastic teaching strategies right here on the Full Voice Podcast. Hello, friend and colleague. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode. I do hope you are keeping well. I do hope you are keeping your spirits up. And this episode is actually very timely about keeping your spirits up and helping to keep your students spirits up. I have two wonderful interviews, one with Dr. Shannon Coates. She's going to be talking about those low energy students. I know you know what I'm talking about because I think we have all endured the tired, moody, grumpy people that have come into our studio or have popped into our Zoom room. Uh, She's got some really great strategies and, um, a very important conversation with Steve Farrell. Steve is a yoga meditation teacher, um, and a counselor, uh, therapeutic counselor. And he's got some great, uh, we had a great, really great conversation about, um, the energy that we have to exude when, um, we're holding space for people and how we need to take care of ourselves. So I'll, I hope you'll check that out. And I get to share a fun little activity I've been doing with my students, plus a freebie Friday. And of course, Alan Henderson from the National Association of Teachers of Singing is popping in to let us know of all the amazing things happening within that organization. And today he's talking about the Live Learning Center. Oh my gosh, so Many great conversations. Um, before I dive in and I introduce Shannon, I just want to say thank you for finding time, and I do hope that you are finding the information on the podcast helpful. And I want to thank those of you who have sent messages um, and emails to me thanking me for the podcast. I that those emails mean a lot, and um, I, I can't Tell you how much it's so nice to get them, and I do read all of them, and I try to respond as quickly as possible. Um, so thank you for that. I also want to remind everybody that you can leave uh, reviews and ratings on iTunes. So if you're if you're using the podcast app in iTunes, please feel free to leave a rating and I also want to remind everybody that if you have not already done this please sign up for our newsletter our newsletter we share lots of great resources today January 29th uh, happens to be freebie Friday and we've got a fun little jazzy study Uh, it's part of our new book that's coming out in the spring and I hope if you're doing some jazz stuff with your students I hope you will check it out Uh, But sign up for our newsletter because that's how we keep in touch. Well, that's how we share our freebies. And um, we also have wonderful offers. So uh, please just sign up. I don't harass people with emails. I maybe send once a week, maybe. Um, But uh, please do that. And and without any further ado, I just have so much great information this week. Uh, Let's welcome Shannon Coates to the show welcome back to the podcast friend and colleague shannon coates how are you
1: i am well thank you so much for having me nikki loney
0: well i you are always a welcome (laughs) guest on our podcast you are uh, helping teachers all over the world to level up their pedagogy their teaching skills and today we have a really i think this is a really important topic because we all have to deal with this in our studios and this can really be a challenge, especially if you're dealing with mm, perhaps some teenagers uh, or even some of, I'm you know what, even some of our littles mm-hmm. can be uh, really challenging. So we're talking about when our students are just low energy, they come in and they've got the weight of the world on their so- shoulders. So you have, and I love how concise you are. You have three ways, <laughs> three strategies to lift the energy. So, lay it on us. Help us Alrighty. help us help, the, help us help our singers. I love it. So, this one
1: this is an interesting one for me because this is something that I do intuitively and that I had never thought about until i started to work with teachers when uh, with teachers and their students so until mm-hmm. i started to observe teachers as they were teaching and as i was sitting in you know sitting and observing and thinking why aren't they like why aren't they combating that energy like how come they aren't doing anything about the energy why are they like why are they sinking into the same energy level mm. why are they dying or over-energizing. Trap. Yes, it's a trap! Or or they're over-energizing. Why are they like allowing themselves to be so over-energized that they're going to be exhausted by the end of this lesson trying mm. to pick up the energy of the person in front of them? Um, and so then I started to make that intentional connection and start to understand mm. the things that I do intuitively and make those intentional. So that's where this came from um, simply because that that happens to be the way that I work intuitively. And I hadn't realized that I was doing it Mm -hmm. until (laughs) I started to observe in other people. So this comes up quite a bit, right? It comes up in, especially in our independent studios. I think it comes up uh, like you were saying with teenagers and sometimes with littles too, uh, especially with teenagers though. I think (laughs) Mm -hmm. where they come into the studio They've often they've been at school all day. They're exhausted. Maybe it's dinner time, right? Sometimes they're coming in for their sure. lesson at like five o'clock, five thirty, six o'clock. Which fine, but normally they're eating at that time, and maybe they haven't had a snack since they got home from school. I mean, there's all of those things that, and just the plain fact that they're a teenager. Uh, there's yeah. all of those things coming together to to get them into a place where they are not in a great mood or really low energy. And there are people who are lower energy too, and that's totally fine. And the two issues that come about with that is that one, as a teacher, if we don't recognize that that's what's happening and we're not intentional about using um, some tools to change that energy, two things that happen. One, we either go down with the ship, so we Mm. end up in the same low energy and we come to the end of the lesson and think, God. I don't know if I can go on anymore. <laughs> like sure. That lesson and want to nap ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Or we want to nap for the opposite reason where we increase our own energy to try to meet that energy and try to bring it up out of our own energy. So we get really animated and really, um, you know, over, we overexert ourselves and that, I mean, it may work, but it's not necessarily, it's not intentional. And so then it becomes quite exhausting on the other side. Right. So here are some intentional ways to lift the energy. One thing is to have the student do some very physical movements and uh, this is and this is like almost a no-brainer right? Like of course we would have the students. but if you don't recognize off the top and aren't intentional about what you do right off the top, that it may not come to you until like the end of the lesson by the time it's too late where you go like oh yeah, I should have been doing something really physical to get that energy going. So some Mm -hmm. of the things we do in, in acting circles is we like come to the bottom of the, like do a bend over and like bring your hands from the bottom of your feet all the way up to the top of your, over your head and do that like four or five times, really sweep up and over and have this kind of movement that is an up movement, increases blood flow, gets you lots of, um, uh, you know, Happy feelings going, endorphins, whatever it is, all the stuff that I don't know the science behind this. (laughs) I think there is science behind this. I just know that this works. (laughs) So I'm sure there's science somewhere. The other one is to do any kind of, you know, running on the spot, jumping jacks. The one that I super love is I'll have them sit on my yoga ball and bounce because oh, they nice. think to themselves, ooh, I get to sit down. And then I'm like, yeah, now you're going to bounce. And then they're like, woo, this is actually super fun. So they end nice. up having, yeah, they end up, they they come in super low energy and they just want to like lie on the couch or whatever anyway. But I'm like, no, it's fine. Why don't you sit on the yoga ball? <laughs>
0: Sometimes we have to be covert in our in our instruction, you know. Sometimes we just there's things that I don't tell my students that that (laughs) I'm (laughs) you know, because because if they were to know, a lot of them would resist it, right? They'd be like, I'm not doing that.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's so true. And I've got my little again, you can't see me because we're on podcast, but I've got my little fingers like (laughs) going together (laughs) in a little evil Mr. Burns way. (laughs) So the second thing to do very intentionally is to start to change your own body actions and your own uh, facial expression and your own mm. tone quality so that you're going to be basically uh, expressing what you want them to do in their own bodies and hoping nice. that you're kind of mirroring for them right so one thing to do on that is to intentionally slow down and deepen your inhalation and then increase the brights in the sound. So I'll demo that. We get now I have a brighter sound, slightly faster tempo, possibly slightly higher in pitch, but it may sound for you. It may actually, in your voice, it may sound a little bit more twangy. It may sound a little bit more like you're smiling. It may sound a little bit like a raise in the pitch. For me, it just feels like I got really resonant in the top of the sound. I just got like added some smile or something like that. So that's the other thing to physically add smile, physically start smiling. It's really hard to be low energy when you actually have a smile on your face. True. <laughs> it starts to, it really lifts the mood. Um, you can also start to intentionally stand up and walk around. So rather mm. than being at your piano bench, when the student is low energy, Stand up, walk around them, get the get the actual energy moving in your own body. Raise your eyebrows and increase your hand gestures. Mm. <laughs> so start to actually do, start to become Italian a little bit there, and get those <laughs> hand gestures going. And of course, you can't see me, but I am doing that myself. Like I'm increasing She's, my. she gestures. is
0: waving her I'm hands around,
1: gesticulating
0: wildly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> increase your hand gestures by doing that intentionally. It will help you to not subconsciously increase your energy in the energy draining way so Mm -hmm. it will it will help you to to be intentional about how you parcel out your energy as well as drawing them into your energy Mm -hmm. the third thing to do is to get them singing right away and the higher the better (laughs) So if they're on the bouncy ball, if they're on the yoga ball, start having them do some staccato where we're not actually singing, something staccato-y or siren-y, and don't tell them that we're singing. Again, we're going to be a little bit, you know, clandestine here. Don't tell them we're singing. Say, we're going to make some sounds, and I want to hear just like, <laughs> well, lots of moving along with it, and bounce on the ball as well. Not really singing movement. Mm. Or Sorry, not really singing sounds, just sounds. And be Mm. really clear that we're not actually doing some singing right now. We're just doing some super fun sounds. We're just exploring. The higher, the better. So this one is, um, there is some science behind this one. And I don't remember where I heard it. So there you go. But there is some science behind this one where... The faster vibrations of higher sounds, so higher sounds have a higher frequency because the sound wave is moving more quickly. And so we've got this faster vibration going. The faster vibration of higher sounds, literally, I mean, that, that vibration literally goes through our uh, tissue. I mean, it doesn't come out the tissue, but it literally affects the tissue. And it literally comes into the brain through the ear and gets a higher vibration going in your brain. It's, oh, it's science. Very, very it's actual science. Yeah. So that is a, uh, an and what do you know? You're in a singing lesson, so you may as well do make some sounds. <laughs> so, those are three ways to intentionally increase the energy of the student in front of you to make for a better lesson, better learning environment. I mean, the, all of these things increase the learning in the student and increase and also decrease your, the potential for you to mm-hmm. either take on that energy or exert yourself trying to change the energy, so... Yeah, three things: physical mirror, saying.
0: I love it. Oh, Shannon, such great tips, and and so easy to hmm. to uh, implement, right? In our in our mm-hmm. lessons. Thank you very very much. We will have you back for more Woo-hoo. pedagogy tips, and thank you for helping us level up our teaching. Thank you so much. I love it. My pleasure. Every day we either welcome a student into our home or our studio or into our Zoom room. And when they join us, they bring a lot of energy and holding space for a lot of personalities can be very challenging. My good friend, Steve Farrell, is a yoga and meditation teacher and a therapeutic counselor. And we had this wonderful conversation about... Holding space and self-care. I hope you'll take a listen to it. There's some wonderful strategies for your health. Welcome back to the podcast, my dear friend Steve Farrell. How are you today?
2: I'm feeling excellent today.
0: Oh today is a
2: today has been a good well, every day is for me is kinda good, but I'm like pizza. I'm just <laughs> Even on a bad day, I'm still pretty good.
0: Oh, this is what I miss. I so miss seeing you every week in our in our yoga classes um, because you always come to you always come to the studio and you, you your energy is just so wonderful and and I have to say I'd really admire that because sometimes you know going into you know an afternoon of teaching. I really have to get into a better space. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. especially, especially
0: now with especially now with COVID, right? Like there's just <laughs> so yeah. much going on, but I don't want to bring that into the space with my students. For sure. So today we have a really important topic. Um, self-care is a big topic right now a lot of uh, a lot of people are advocating you know we have to take care of ourselves even the national association of teachers of singing has a campaign Mm. where it's hashtag fight the fatigue and they're advocating for teachers to take care of themselves so today we're talking about self-care for those of us who are holding space for our students for a Mm -hmm. lot of people So first of all, my first question, how do you do it? You always came into yoga class, no matter what, you always brought this up energy. It was never overwhelming. How do you do it, Steve?
2: Um, One thing I want to say about that is I want to thank my dad Hmm. Um, because I think that some of the stuff or some of the approaches that we have to any of life's stuff is taught, um at a very young age um so like this conversation of nature versus nurture i don't think that it's an either or i think it's always a both and Mm. um and that i think that we're like maybe we're kind of born away and then that can either be like dampened or enhanced to whatever like positive and negative sort of aspects of of our what i like to call like inherent personality like just stuff that we're coming to the table with initially Mm -hmm. but my dad was very much uh a strong work ethic kind of guy and like a just show up, like mm. just show up. And sometimes it doesn't matter if you want to be there or not. You just, you just go to your, do your job. Mm. Um, and so sometimes like, I will say that sort of uh, modeling or idea doesn't always go well for me <laughs> or hasn't always gone well. Sure, sure. Like let's say um, I used to work in a bus factory for six years when I was younger. And wow. so Yeah, and every day i get up at 5.30, had to be work at 7. It was 10-hour days. Yeah, it was brutal. I really did love the routine, though. Like, any given moment of the day, I knew exactly where I was supposed to be, Mm -hmm. as opposed to now. It's just like, I don't even, some days I don't even know where I am. Um, (laughs) But he, sometimes that would turn into me staying in a job or in a relationship a little bit too long.
0: Oh, because we just be
2: like, no, suck it up and go do your job. And mm-hmm. so like, sometimes that didn't always go well. Sure. But I feel like the benefits of that as a kid, like growing up with a dad who who also worked in the same factory. So it's not like he had this amazing job that he just showed up to every day. Like he had the factory life mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and every day he showed up and he did his job. And, and I really admire him for that. And that was something that he passed down to me was just sh- show up and do your job. And that's one of the most important things that you can do you don't have to like it mm. but you got to accept the way that it is and you got to move forward and you got to do the work and so like i really thank my dad initially for that because that's something that kept me going into the yoga room with a little bit more positivity mm. um, but another thing within yoga teaching and uh, especially counseling now is something that i've actually said at the beginning of class is that like when i used to be a personal trainer and a group fitness instructor, you always had to be on. Mm. Like you had to pretend to be super energetic. And like, (laughs) for me, when I would do boot camps, like I'm not a yell in somebody's face kind of person, but that was part of my job is like yelling at somebody to do more push-ups or or sit-ups or whatever. And when I started teaching yoga, the beauty of that was is that in, let's say, yogic philosophy, we're trying to just show up as exactly who we are. And that doesn't mean like if I'm in an angry mood, I'm just going to start yelling at my students, but it means just like recognizing that I'm showing up with some stuff Mm -hmm. and I don't have to pretend to be super perky and happy. Mm. Um, So that was, that's a part of it is, is just one showing up Two is really being accepting of what I'm feeling in the moment. Mm. And then a lot, as you know, a lot of my yoga classes would start off with me, like just teaching from that place. Mm-hmm. Of just right the the acknowledgement of this is here i'm I'm here right now, um this is what I'm feeling, and then just allowing that to be as um, transparent as possible, but again, not letting the emotion choose what i do mm-hmm. I, I think that that was a big part of like maybe that was part of what my dad taught me too was like he he was not always in the best mood, mm-hmm. um and like like any old school dad, he did his fair share of yelling and stuff like that but um he would feel away sometimes and not let that feeling get in the way of him doing what he needed to do. that mm. it was there was an acceptance aspect there and he would just continue with his life the way that he felt that he needed to continue with his life and i really admire him for that. so that's one of the ways that i sort of do that for myself is like i try to model my dad sometimes. <laughs> Yeah. I, think, I hope he hears this.
0: I think I think we had twin dads because that I that I very much grew up with that you have to do that. You have I think to, that was part of the era. I think so. I think like, so. Like part of that
2: era was, was like you couldn't just like be under your covers all day. You had to like especially Let if go. you had a family to support, you needed to just go out and do the work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So when you uh, when you're in a class, you're setting the mood. And you've got all this energy coming back at you, good, bad, mm-hmm. or ugly. How do you? How do you not? How do you not get all up in that business? <laughs> that is a super good question.
2: <laughs> um, the I'm going to go more of a mindfulness route for this. Sure. And There was a, an old like Buddhist monk. Um, I think it was, I think it was Aj- Ajahn Sumedho. So there's a bunch of Ajahns in the, in the mm-hmm. history of, of Buddhism. Um, I can't exactly remember what Ajahn means, but there was a, a man named Ajahn Sumedho. And he, would, he had this technique that he would teach beginners. And he would say this thing where he says, no matter what, don't go out of your body.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Or like, stay in your body. Like, no matter what, stay in the body. And that has been a really helpful tip for me, especially getting into counseling and therapy on an online platform where people are possibly feeling more anxiety. I think we're all feeling screen fatigue. Um, And the best way for me to not take that stuff on, because it's not my stuff. Right. Although like I'm totally into, I'm relatively empathetic. Um, Mm. I tend to be able to feel what other people are feeling. It's I think one of the things that makes me a good yoga teacher and a counselor is, like, I'm not, I'm not like, oh, I don't understand what you're feeling because I understand a lot of big feelings. Um, and so a way for me to not take that on is to consistently keep coming back into my body. Mm. And not my, this is what the distinction that I like to make, especially in when I'm teaching meditation to people, is not the conceptual body, not my idea about my body, but Ooh. the experience of my body. Because mm. right? the, the two are not the same thing, right? Like, I can have an idea about my body or concept, I can even have a concept about an emotion, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: but then the experience of my body. Like, what does it feel like to have my feet on the ground? Or what does it feel like, like, how am I breathing right now? Mm -hmm. And sometimes without even trying to change that, because there's this idea like, oh, you should breathe this way to calm down. Mm -hmm. And I think that that can be a really strong avoidance tool for some people, Mm -hmm. where they automatically start to change stuff because they don't like what they're feeling or they don't know how to feel what they're feeling. I think that's a big thing to do is like, most of us have not been taught to really feel what we're feeling. Right. We've been taught to get some basic information about it, sadness, anxiety, depression. Mm -hmm. And then what we then try to roll out as tools to help make it go away quickly.
0: Right. And
2: I'm going to say the opposite from a mindfulness perspective is that when strong stuff shows up, that we need to practice learning how to feel that stuff. And I think one of the best platforms to feel that from is from uh, our own internal awareness, Mm. right? That if I can feel, if I can get better at tuning in um, to what my breath is doing, what my body is feeling like, how it's shifting through space, that creates a certain platform of attention or awareness that then allows me to investigate what's actually happening. Mm. Does that make sense? It
0: does. Yeah.
2: And so I I think the body is a really great place to go mm. when we're taking on other people's stuff.
0: Mm. Because our
2: bodies are even going to show us how we take on other people's stuff. Oh, big time. Yeah.
0: Do you ever find at the end of the day, you've been talking to people or teaching, and you just recognize that you've Taken on a lot more, or you're feeling a certain way due to the energies that came at you. How do you manage that? What do you what do you do? Do you have strategies? Do you take a moment? Do you play your drums? What do you do?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I have like I I think it's good um, to if we go to this um, the therapy that I worked in again is called ACT, which is acceptance and commitment therapy we work off this idea of psychological flexibility. So can we be more psychologically flexible in any given moment? And I think a big part of that flexibility is coming up with a repertoire of options. Mm. And so in any given moment, depending on what I'm feeling, I might think like, okay, this is a good option. Music is usually pretty good for me. I love listening to music uh, as a musician, um, a longtime musician. I've, I've grown up listening to music and loving music. It's always been a huge part of my life. So I recognize that, listening to music is a part as a big part of my repertoire but like you're saying playing drums because i'm a drummer can be a big part of that of just like going home when it's appropriate because we have neighbors that live downstairs from <laughs> us, so it's not as appropriate to play the drums really loud there. but sometimes i'll go downstairs and i'll just um either practice mm. practicing rudiments is really good for me mm. um, because it's a level of attention that's required to I'm not trying to express anything when I'm practicing rudiments on the drums. And so really what it is for me is that practicing rudiments is getting into my body. Mm. Because let's say I'm working on something like um, double strokes on the drum Mm -hmm. and I have to be able to feel and listen. And I'm contemplating, like there are judgments popping up about Mm. how I'm doing the double stroke roll. Like maybe my doubles aren't so smooth and in my mind it's like, oh, you're terrible at drums. (laughs) and then I'm like well I know that's not true because I did go to school for it so I got to be better than some people out there (laughs) but then what I come back to is like if if I want to make if my impression of my doubles is that they're choppy and I want to smooth them out how do I smooth them out I go into my body Mm. and I sometimes it means slowing down so that I can smooth out like the spacing of the double Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and then I might speed it up But if I really want to do it well, I have to be in it. I can't be outside Mm. of it. Nice. And so that's a really good one for me is like back to that. Don't do anything that takes you out of your body or do your best to consistently come back into your own body Mm. is to do things like that. And for me, rudiments is really nice. Mm
0: -hmm. And then
2: once I practice rudiments for like, I don't know, two to five minutes, then I'll maybe put a track on and play along with it as like a form of expression. Mm. But in the beginning, I'm not trying to express anything. I'm just trying to get as deeply into the feeling of it as I can. Um, and like along that sort of lines, I have a client right now that I'm working with who is very frustrating. Mm. Um, and we've talked about how much uh, she frustrates me. <laughs> so, but we have a really good therapeutic bond. Um, mm. like she can tell me when she's frustrated with me. I can tell her when I'm frustrated with her. And because she is a more difficult client, there's this idea in my mind that she should be better by now, but she's not. But also in the back of my mind, I'm like, but she's not broken. There's nothing wrong with her that you need to make better. (laughs) So there's that part of the conversation. Um, And I can spend a lot of time over the past little while, we've been working together for about a year. I can spend a lot of time thinking about how I can help her outside obsession. Mm-hmm. And so there have been nights when I've not been able to go to bed at a good time because I'm just up thinking about like, okay, what's the next thing that we can do in session with her? How am I going to approach this? And the best way for me to let that go is to get back into something more tangible, mm-hmm. something to see, something to hear, something to feel, um, or like read a book. That's a good one for me. Is like, mm-hmm consciously think about something else other than her and her problems and how she's, how her, her problems are making me feel.
0: Mm. And so
2: then sometimes I might even just tune into how I feel frustrated about how she makes me feel frustrated, if that makes sense. It does. So I'll take a moment to actually feel the frustration. I'm like, I'm feeling frustrated with her right now. What does that feel like? Where is that in my body? And for me, that's always been the most helpful tool as part as my as far as my repertoire is concerned is like I, playing the drums or listening to music can be great. Mm-hmm. But I find the most effective thing is just to really do my best to notice what I'm feeling around the situation that I'm in or what I'm holding on to.
0: I want to thank you for that, that I know that when you said that my brain immediately went to, you know, the students that. I feel frustrated with. And, and I would also add for a lot of teachers, it would be the frustration that they feel with parents that they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And, and it creates all these incredibly false narratives. And then it creates, then it creates this drama and, and dread about even just dealing with these people. Like you just end up with all these false narratives and stories. And by the time that student logs in, you're all ready for a battle. Yeah. And it it hasn't even started. Like there's maybe there's no battle at all.
2: Yeah. And I like that, right? That maybe that's a recognition that we need to make is maybe there's no battle at all.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much uh, just for you know, helping us to kind of process um, some self-care strategies and and helping us to understand uh, better ways that we can not only help ourselves, but our students. And as always, we will have you back. You're one of our expert guests. And I want to I thank love coming you. back. Uh, I love seeing you. I love talking to you. And um, I'm going to put all of your information in the show notes. And we will see you soon. Have a wonderful day.
2: Yes, thank you for having me again, Nikki. It was so good to see you and talk to you. And uh, yeah, and I want to give like a pre thanks to anybody that listens to the podcast and gets
0: something from it. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And now the warm up of the week. Okay, warm up of the week. Well, Full disclosure, this is more of a mini masterclass with a couple of vocal exercises in it. I hope it's helpful. Um, I want to let everybody know that on our website, thefullvoice.com, today, Friday, uh, January 29th, it is Freebie Friday. And we are previewing a little sneak peek from our upcoming, I'm so excited about this, our upcoming introductory vocal jazz studies book. It is scheduled to come out in the spring, probably late spring, because we still have some tweaking to do. But I have to tell you, friends, I'm having so much fun. I have been testing, well, we've been testing this book for quite some time, but over the last year, I've been doing a lot of jazz studies and exercises with my teens and also with my advocational Adults, um, We have our Sip and Sing uh, group class on Zoom, and I have been working through some of the activities in this book. And, oh, my gosh, we've had so much fun. Um, if you don't know, jazz is a, is a huge passion uh, for me and my colleague, Mim, and my husband. We are all jazz majors. We That was our schooling in post-secondary. I think it's a beautiful art form. I think it's a wonderful creative outlet. Um, but I think there are some foundations, Foundational things that our singers need to be confident with in order to be successful. Now, I agree. Piano, having a piano background and knowing a little bit about piano is very helpful. But I think most importantly for our singers, they must have the ability to sing the um, the scales and the chords accurately and understand them. And they can do this with their voice. So I want to share a dominant seven study activity that I love to do and I've been doing with my students this past week. And it's been super successful and lots of fun. And keep in mind, I am still teaching on Zoom. We're in lockdown here in Ontario. Um, and I've been having great success with this on my Zoom lessons. So if you can do it on Zoom, you can do it face to face. So first of all, if you download the freebie, um, we have a little conversation about seven chords. And seven chords are those four-part chords. They're very dense. I like to play a couple of different chords, like a major seven and a minor seven. And then I just ask my students, well, what is that? what does that sound like? what does that make you feel? Or how would you describe that sound? And there's no wrong answers. Um, and I always think that that's a really great question to ask our singers, because they have to have really great ear training when it comes to um, uh, jazz, As and of course, the goal of getting them to improvise. They need to be able to hear and sing. So when I am diving into kind of the warm up of the lesson, what I love to do is some unaccompanied singing of scales and chords and I I personally do not think we do this enough with our singers. We are constantly playing the piano for them. That only gives them a place to hide. They have to hear their voices. They have to make corrections. So I hope that you are brave enough to give them the space to do so. And don't worry If your student's feeling a little uncomfortable because they have to sing unaccompanied without any help, don't worry and and encourage them and support them through that. That's something that goes away relatively quickly the more you let them do that. Um, and That's one of the activities that I am adamant with my young singers. I let them sing without the piano assistance as much as possible. And you will see a much faster improvement in their confidence and in their pitch accuracy when you go voice to voice and let them figure it out. Um, Now so on the freebie we have got the dominant seven chords. Now how I like to start introducing seven chords I start by asking my students to sing unaccompanied a major scale ascending only. So and now my studio we use solfege. Highly recommend solfege and for those of you who are new to solfege one of our podcast guests was Brenda Earl Stokes. And she is a jazz vocalist pianist from New York City, who has actually done a crash course in solfege. For those of you that want to get your solfege game uh, up to date, please check that out. Brenda Earl Stokes crash course in solfege. She has a major edition and a minor edition. Um, She uses this tool with her uh, students and musicians that work with her. Um, Solfege gets a bad rap sometimes but honestly that's (laughs) solfege is what got me through my first year of college because I was really just kind of trying to keep my head above water. I had not really had much exposure to jazz before going to school and my first year uh, was survived with a lot of a sense of humor and solfege. There you go. That's what got me through. Um, And actually, I was I was I had a huge advantage over a lot of my classmates in first year because I could use uh, solfege to sing. And in our basic improv class, we had to sing things like Dorian modes and minor scales and um, major seven chords. and, And I could use solfege to help myself out. And I did very well. And then I got into the R&B ensemble. So that's how things work out sometimes. Anyhow, so going back to the exercises. So first thing I like to do, I get my students to sing the major scale ascending. Do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do. And we'll do that a couple of times and we'll check in with, you know, loosening up the body and listening to the sounds. Then what I ask them to do is I ask them to put a fermata on the t on the 7th degree do re mi fa so la ti and then i asked them to resolve it to the do do and I, we talk about that relationship between the seventh and the eighth or the one. So it's a semitone. It's a tiny little step. Slide in from the seventh into the eighth. Hear the relationship between those two notes. And once my students kind of do that for a while, we talk about the tension, too. The tension of just sitting on the T. And some of your students, you'll notice that hanging on that T is not comfortable for them. And that is okay. That is the tension that we're looking for, so we gotta encourage that. Then what we do is we lower the seventh and we sing the same exercise. Now, if you're lowering the seventh in solfege, it becomes te. So do, re, mi, fa, so, la, te. And I make them slide into it and I make them do jazz hands on it and we hang out on it. And then I make them go to the do, do. And we talk about how that interval has changed and where the semitone now is. If I have a singer that's struggling with finding the flat seven, I will get them to hold law and then just slide into the T, the te, the flat seven, and go back and forth. This is such an important exercise. Playing it for them is one thing, but making them sing it and hear it and feel it in their voices is another. Then on the sheet, on the freebie, you'll see there's a little warm-up where you're singing out two uh, swing eights, um, uh, the, the scale with the flat seven. So I encourage my singers to sing that to Duba. So Duba, 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 dot, And I get them to kind of get used to that sound. There's a couple of other little vocal melodic fragments that could be used as exercises, and I highly recommend them. Some of them are tricky, but some of them are just singing through the dominant seven chord. Now, once you've explored major scale, major seven, minor seven scale, or the minor seven on the scale, then you have this wonderful vocal study written by Mim Adams. So one of the things in the new book, upcoming book, is that there are small song studies where one element is being explored for the vocalist. So in the Dominant Seven Heaven study, I named that, so funny, uh, there is, uh, there. it's just a 16-bar a, a Uh, phrase, 16-bar phrase, um, that comes with a band track with bass and drums and piano and guitar um, with the swing feel, and they get to sing through the dominant seven melodies. That is our freebie Friday. As far as vocal warm-ups, I know that there are I love, I, I'm going to shout out to Shannon Coates and you heard from Shannon Coates today on, on the podcast. But one of the, the things that I love about Shannon, is she says, you know, everything is a warm up. Drawing a treble clef is a warm up. Looking for things on the music is a warm up. Everything can be modified for warm up. It doesn't just have to be about addressing technique. And in my warm ups and when we're doing exercises like this, we're warming up the voice, but we're also looking at music theory. We're also looking at the notes and reading music. We're also training our ears. You can turn simple little exercises into comprehensive all well-rounded music discovery. It doesn't just have to be about technique. And I can't tell you how, uh, how fun that is and helpful that is. So friends, if you go to our website, thefullvoice.com. Check out the free resources page. You'll see the Dominant 7 Study freebie. I hope you will check that out. And please sign up for our newsletter so you will be notified when the Full Voice Vocal Introductory, <laughs> the Full Voice Introductory Vocal Studies book is available. As always, I want you to inspire your singers and make sure they leave your Zoom room or your studio with a huge smile on their face. Did you know that the Full Voice podcast is part of the Nat's Cast Network? It's true. We are thrilled to partner with the National Association of Teachers of Singing. And of course, our good friend, Alan Henderson, pops in from time to time to give us an update on all things happening within the organization. Welcome back to the podcast, Executive Director of the National Association of Teachers of Singing, Alan Henderson. How are you?
3: I'm great, Nikki. It's good to be with you today.
0: I do appreciate your drop-ins and keeping all of us up to date. Uh, we're going to talk about the Nats Live Learning Centre. I think a lot of people do not know how many incredible resources are there t- for for our advantage, for our professional development. Can you give everybody a little heads up of what's going on at the uh, Nats website?
3: Well, the Nats Live Learning Center is basically our repository for all of the sessions that have been recorded at Nats National Conferences, Nats National Workshops, and occasionally some other uh, one-off type events that we may have had over the years. And uh, we partnered with Multiview, who has a platform for us to host all of this on and it's integrated into our website. Uh, So you can go to the Nats website and the easiest way is just scroll down to the bottom to the big green bar at the bottom and find Live Learning Center and click on it. Uh, And everybody does have a separate login to the Live Learning Center. Uh, And so if you already are a Nats member, uh, you can, click on there if you don't remember what your username or login is, and you can click on I forgot and put your email address in, and it will send it to you. But those who recently attended the NATS virtual conference this summer, uh, just recently all got a customized email uh, Mm -hmm. when all the content was ported over to the Live Learning Center. And that included their username and password. And when they log on because everyone who came to the conference has six months free access to review any of the sessions. Uh, They sign on, they can click on my content tab and it should take them to all of the content from the conference this year. Now on the Nats Live Learning Center, you can do a variety of things uh, if you didn't uh, attend the conference or, you know, because there's so much content there, Uh, you can search for topics you can also watch little 15-second previews of, uh, of sessions. Now, one of the things I noticed is that it kind of randomly generates what that clip is. And sure. sometimes it's the introduction you know, that comes up, <laughs> strangely <laughs> enough. So you don't really learn a lot. But uh, sometimes it randomly generates. So If you come back and listen to another clip, sometimes it's another place. Um, so, uh, but... You can search uh, all the way back to even some of our uh, pre-video days where we just had audio uh, sessions recorded. And so these sessions go back, you know, well over 10 years of Mm -hmm. Matt's events. And uh, so, you know, they're all our major speakers, breakout session presenters uh, and So, you know, sometime you're thinking, oh, I remember I was at a conference and -and so-and-so spoke. You can go search their name and you can see all the sessions they are at and you can find that one. That's it. And uh, all this content you can purchase access to uh, in a variety of ways. You can uh, pick a package of so many sessions that you want to have access to. And uh, NATS members get a discount on... Uh, on the fees for this. And uh, you can permanently uh, purchase content so that it stays in your account permanently. Uh, Mm -hmm. We also have some free content on there. And from time to time, we rotate a free session around. So different times of the year, uh, if you're on our mailing list, you might hear about, you know, here's our free session this month that's on the Live Learning Center. And That'll be up for a month, and people can watch it. So uh, it's you know it's it's a great way for you to find some resources for yourself. Uh, you know it's really open to anyone. So if you have a if you have students who uh, might be interested, if you have adult students who are really into mm-hmm. trying to find out mm-hmm. more about science or more about certain styles or more about something else, uh, or you find you've played a clip of so and so speaking. Uh, at, our, uh, at our conference or so-and-so on a different thing. And you know, they had a session at our conference and somebody like that you say, well, you might want to check this out. And uh, anyone can you know, create an account on there. Every once in a while, we create some special offers and discounts that we market out to everybody. Uh, but it's, a, you know, it's, it's just a wealth of resources for everyone to use. And we have a lot of people who use them in pedagogy classes uh, they take some mm-hmm. some of those, get access to some of those sessions that they can play in class. Uh, and so it's really a resource there for our entire community to use. Uh, and we, of course, keep, keep adding to it after every event. Uh, we were able to turn around the sessions in record time this year because, of course, <laughs> we recorded everything <laughs> online, basically, to begin with. Um, sure. We didn't have to post process a lot of things we did some some post editing on some things but a lot of things we didn't have to post edit and all our breakout presenters of course did their recordings in advance so we had those all ready to go um and Brilliant. so it's a uh, you don't have to even sign on to go and kind of search it so you know it's it's there for you to kind of tool around and see what's there and uh try a few things out before you actually purchase something
0: I love it. I think that's actually quite helpful, Alan. Because I know in our forums often the question comes up. You know, where are some, where are some inexpensive, uh, you know, professional development opportunities? And I think uh, directing them to the Live Learning Center might be a great opportunity for people to dive into some, some online learning. So thank you, thank you for for letting us know about this, and thank you for coming back to the podcast. We will talk to you again in. The- future
3: great it's good to be with you
0: a very special thank you to all our wonderful guests dr shannon coates Steve Farrell, Dr. Alan Henderson, thank you so much for your time, your expertise, and your service to our industry. If you are a voice teacher working with young singers, please check out our website, our free resources page, and do not forget to sign up for our newsletter so you will be first to know about our freebies and new releases. Friends and colleagues, these are challenging times, but we are here to help. And I hope that you find the information in our podcast helpful, inspiring, and a wonderful resource. As always, a heartfelt virtual hug. I'm wishing you inspired teaching and happy singing.
1: Made by Canoe Music Productions.